Hey guys, I just want to remind you that I have one of my favorite webinars coming up next week. It's called Raising Resilient Children. Oh, it's so good. Resilience is one of the biggest gifts we can give our kids. Come learn with me. There'll be two options, a noon and an evening time. You can find the link to sign up on the show notes. Hope to see you there. On the one hand, I just got like such joyous news. And on the other hand, I felt like I was like crushing her and breaking her heart and almost like betraying her. It's so important to honor what we are actually going through and what our kids are actually going through from such a neutral place where we don't place our own expectations on them. Hi, and welcome to Help Them Bloom, a podcast for conscious parents. All right, parents, raising children is no small job. And how you choose to raise your child during their first years impacts so much of their self-worth and how they'll navigate life. As a child and parenting expert, I'm here on a mission to help you parent intentionally through the messiest of your moments and in a way that feels good to you. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Today is going to be a little bit different. It's a solo episode, just me. And I really came up with it because I have an idea of something I just want to share with you guys. Today, I want to talk a little bit about sort of expectations that we have around experiences in life and how we think people should feel during certain experiences and what happens when that reality actually doesn't match what we expect. And I know this sounds all really like abstract right now, but I'm going to, I'm going to tie it all together with a real life experience for me. So as most of you know, by now I am pregnant with a baby girl And I am due at the beginning of April. And so most of you just found out recently, but my daughter found out when I was 10 weeks pregnant. And I want to share that story because it it has to do with what I just spoke about in the beginning about expectations around experiences, because what happens is, and although very well-intentioned, what happens is every time that we are out in public and somebody sees her, the natural response is for a person to say something like, oh my God, you're going to be a big sister. You must be so excited. And I actually got the same exact response, even when I'm not with her right? So people will find out I'm pregnant or they found out. And when I see them in person, the first thing they say is, your daughter must be so happy, must be so excited. And now I want to paint a picture of what really happened. So my daughter, for some reason, she's very unique and for some reason has always kind of voiced, and I'm talking about since she was like probably three years old, she's always kind of voiced that she is not going to have siblings. 
and she that she didn't like babies. Those were the two things she always said. And I like always thought it was just like a phase um, and she would grow out of that and, and change her mind. But nope, she's really like stayed true. <laughs> she's really stayed true to that belief. And it really was like nowhere on her radar, the fact that I would have another child. And part of that is definitely on me because I never really corrected her. And here's why. I have been on my own fertility journeys. I've had a fertility journey with her. She is an IVF baby. I couldn't get pregnant naturally. And I then also had a fertility journey now with this baby. And so because I knew that fertility was, there was a struggle for me in that area and that I only had like a certain amount of set embryos that I could use, I honestly didn't really want to bring this up and stress her out if it was not going to be something viable. That was my thinking. Was it the right approach? I'm not sure. That was probably more about me than her. Uh, Maybe I was trying to avoid until something happened, but here we are. So I kind of figured that when I would tell her the news, it wouldn't go well. And so what I decided to do was actually tell her when my IVF worked, like the day I found out that I te- that the beta test, which is like that 10-day initial test, tested positive, you're still so early. You're like probably about four weeks, if that. So obviously you're in a very, very fragile place still and a lot can happen. So I decided if if I did test positive, I would sort of bring this idea back onto the radar for her. And I did test positive. And then I did actually tell her that next year, I was going to try and have a baby. And that was a total shit show. I mean, she didn't even let me finish my sentence. She just ran up to her room, locked herself in her closet. And we had to communicate through like, notes under the door because she was so devastated. And it was just, you can imagine so many feelings coming up for me because on the one hand, I just got like such joyous news. And on the other hand, I felt like I was like crushing her and breaking her heart and almost like betraying her. So it was definitely really rough and and a day filled with highs and lows. And that was that. Like we sort of, you know, I, I'm not going to use this episode to talk about how we handled it, but we did. We handled it um, and she was okay. And then she sort of like shut it down and it was never brought up again. So I knew that when I was 10 weeks, so that was like a month and a half later, pretty much, I would tell her the news before I told the rest of my family and certain people. So I did. And another devastating moment for her but I was expecting this, right? Like I knew, I knew where she stood and I knew that this wasn't going to go well. And I actually, I don't know, part of me, I guess, hoped because I have it even on video at some point, I turned it off because I'm like, this is so sad to watch. Uh, But I knew that I just had to hold space for her. And I have to tell you, like we've really worked through so much until now. It's been like, two, like three months since then. And we've worked through so much, but she is still going through her process. And 
when people approach her and the first thing they say to her is, you must be so excited to be a big sister or, oh my God, you're a big sister now. Everything about the big sister identity, they sort of tie to her now and she she doesn't like to be told that. She really doesn't react or respond in the same way that somebody might think they're going to respond. So when people say this to her, what does she do? She actually gives people either like death eyes or she will withdraw and disconnect or come behind me or actually get angry. And like, you know, we're working on respect and respectful responses, but it's not the response that most people expect, right? And so here I am, like if I didn't really sort of know all of this stuff and I, and this wasn't my field and this wasn't like my within my clinical experience either i might start to feel like oh god like what am i doing wrong where am i failing right because if everybody says she's supposed to be excited it's not actually matching what's happening in front of me then where how am i failing as a parent i must be failing as a parent I must be doing something wrong or there must be something wrong with her that she's not living up to that part that everybody's putting her in, right? So that's, I think, the natural thought that we could all have in those moments. Now, I know, I know better than that, meaning I really try to create this space and the and the feeling in my house where there is no one right way to feel and an experience can elicit many different types of feelings for us. And so that's that's sort of what I'm trying to adhere to. It's definitely been uh, a journey for me too. It's almost like, you know, for the, you know, all of you guys, most of you guys that are listening are parents, but you bring home your baby and there's a lot of expectations tied to to that experience, right? Or even being pregnant or bringing home baby. And the reality doesn't always match this sort of like blissful, I'm fully in love. There's nothing I like more in the world. Like, no, like there's a lot of change that comes with that. And not all of that change feels good. And a, a lot of it feels like loss and confusion and exhaustion and things that maybe nobody or people talk about it more now more than before. But like, that's those aren't the things that are like, the light shines on. Like when somebody has a baby, the first thing is, you know, you must be so happy, so in love. How are you? This and that. But what people aren't prepared to hear is how hard it is. So, you know, so she had this experience because, and I want to tell you behind the scenes sort of what happens, which is here are thoughts. She's seven, but she and I talk a lot, right? So she she's learned to sort of think about how she might feel in situations and things like that. So here are things that whoever tells her you must be so excited to be a big sister probably doesn't know she's thinking about. She's thinking about how will this baby change my family? Like how much attention is going to go away? And what about the presence? Not just the attention, but what about the presence? She does. She says that about the presence, not just from me, but from my parents. She's the only grandchild right now. So she really worries about her position in the family feeling threatened. It's being threatened in her perception, right? She's been sort of the queen on the throne for, for seven years. And that's a big 
it's it feels really big to have to move away from that. Another thing she's brought up, for example, is like, what about when the baby's crying at night? Like, I have to hear that or I have to hear the baby crying all day. Or what about when the baby isn't behaving or the baby or when the baby is annoying me? And these are like such real normal feelings. But I think that what we tend to do is we want to like shut down that narrative immediately and be like, no, no, no. Like this is your sibling. You're going to love this baby and this baby will be your best friend. And, you know, you're supposed to be grateful and happy. And so like, look how we can totally shift um, shift that narrative for them, but it doesn't actually match their internal experience. So when we do that, what we're doing is actually minimizing what they're experiencing. And we're telling them that's not how you're supposed to feel. And when we tell our kids that either subtly or outwardly directly, they start to feel like something must be wrong with them right? Here's another one. This one, I bet you guys wouldn't expect to come from a seven-year-old, but I was driving with her in the car the other day and she was like, I have a question. And she goes, well, what will happen like when the baby starts calling my stepdad, daddy? And like, I get confused because like, I don't I get confused because I hear daddy and I think it's my daddy, but it's not. And just the whole daddy thing feels confusing. And oh my God, she's so right about all these things. Like it's tricky. There are many layers, right? She's also probably thinking about like how she will come and go because her dad and I split time and the baby will stay and how that will feel probably different, you know, and, and weird. So Look at all these things coming up for her that nobody expects once they see her because our, you know, our comfort zone is humans is to kind of just always expect everybody to sort of be happy about things or get over things really quickly or see the bright side or, you know, be positive or think of the good or be grateful. And I'm not saying there's not like room for that. There is, but like, it's so important to honor what we are actually going through and what our kids are actually going through from such a neutral place where we don't place our own kind of expectations on them, if that makes sense. So when your kids feel believed, they're more likely to actually share all of these types of concerns or thoughts or feelings with you and not just with you, that's, that's really important, but also like they're actually able to process these things more by themselves because they learn to listen to their like internal dialogue, right? It's like, oh, wait, part of me doesn't feel good about this. I need to like explore that a little bit more. But if we're always giving like our messages to our kids are always sort of like, diminishing or minimizing a lot of their experiences or trying to flip them like they learn to talk like that to themselves too and what do we know about feelings and humans like we can't just like make them go away right that's not how it works it's not like we ignore them we ignore them i'm going to pretend they're not there and then and that's it i'm going to trick myself into like not feeling things like we we know how we end up when that happens not not in a great place so I just wanted to share this with you 
because I always, you know, when I opened this account or when I started Hatch and Bloom, like one of my main goals besides helping parents really understand the world through the lens of their child more, it was also just to be transparent in my own experiences with my child and my own parenting struggles and challenges. And I think by sharing, you know, opening a little window into like our home life, I think that does that as well. And as, you know, when this baby comes and as we navigate what that feels like, I'll share how it goes. So thanks for listening today. I know it was short and sweet, but I hope that it was something that many of you could resonate with in one way or another. Thanks for being here. Thanks for hanging out with me today. To keep up with the latest episodes, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And to keep up with the latest content and workshop offerings, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. You can do this on my website, www.hatchandbloom.co. You can also catch me on Instagram at Hatch and Bloom Co. See you soon.